I'm Pat Hyben, and over the past 25 years, I've sold over 7,000 homes, selling over a billion dollars in volume. In 2010, I sold my teen business to my top agent and went on book tour promoting my book, Six Steps to Seven Figures, a real estate professional's guide to building wealth and creating your destiny. That book went on to become a New York Times bestseller. Now I live off the passive income streams from the real estate I bought with commissions I earned as a full-time agent. And I am committed to giving back to the real estate industry as so many mentors of mine have given back to me. On this show, we'll interview the world's best agents, brokers, coaches, and investors to help you make more commissions and create the life you deserve. Okay, Rockstar Nation, I have a special guest today. You know, since I started this podcast three years ago, I've been getting Facebook messages from people, emails from people saying, you need to get Dirk Zeller on the line. This guy knows everything and anything there is about uh, real estate and in a timely manner, meaning stuff that is happening now, what agents are doing that's working, what agents are doing that is not working that are not working and and finally we were able to connect and i got him on uh, the show today and i'm very excited so without further ado uh this is dirk zeller from real estate champions a a almost 20 year veteran as far as real estate training and almost a 30 year veteran as far as being a, an agent or someone in the real estate business so dirk welcome to pat i've been interviews real estate rock stars Hey Pat, oh gosh, it's awesome to be here today and we are we are rocking the snow in Bend, Oregon here where I live. How many inches you got? Uh three and a half feet right now, with it coming down even more. <laughs> really? That's yeah. fascinating. Jeez, that's a lot of snow. Wow. Wow, wow. So you I guess I let everybody's kind of got cabin fever, huh? Cooped up uh, inside, yeah. Exactly. And the skiers are very happy. When you live in a ski town and get pounded with that much snow, the skiers are thrilled. That's great. Well, listen, I want to talk about some timely topics that real estate agents today can learn from, some real meat and potatoes, things that they can use, uh, things that they can do that they might not have done two years ago, one year ago, that sort of thing. So are you ready to share some uh, great insights? Absolutely. Thrilled and delighted to be here. Let's start off with uh, an opinion of yours, and, and this probably comes from a lot of fact, but that, that would be, what do you think the biggest challenge or the biggest mistake that most agents are making today is? Well, I think... The two biggest challenges that I see on a regular basis from agents and certainly from teams that we're working with and coaching and and training up and you know at last count when the Wall Street Journal top 250 list came out we had 67 of our current and past clients on that list so we're working with a lot of elite elite teams the, the, one of the biggest challenges is lead conversion, right, in terms of especially online lead conversion. I mean, we've seen this explosion, Pat, and you know this, from, right, 
about 4,000, uh, excuse me, 4 million internet leads five years ago to last year now 70 million internet leads being created on an annualized basis. And hey, what is the actual number of sales units done? It's gone from like 4.8 million to 5.2 million. Yeah, 5 million. Nationwide. I mean, so, yeah, so that means 65 million aren't really leads. They're just, they're just, uh, who knows what they are, right? Randoms, right? People, you know, you know, it reminds me of this, you know, whenever I go to a coffee shop, I inevitably always see somebody, and I used to see this more than I do now, flipping through those damn books, the home buyers journals or whatever, right? And I can remember in the past, first 10 times it happened, I would go up and give them a card and say, hey, you looking to buy a house, buy a sell a house? 10 out of 10, guaranteed, never had one single one say, you know, yes, yes, thanks. They always said, oh, no, I'm just looking. Right. And, and that's the same thing going on with these Internet leads, right? They're just looking and they put in their name and an email. When and you hit the nail on the head, Pat, here's the thing. That's the most common response that you're going to get from an internet lead, and the vast majority of agents are ill-prepared to do that. In other words, to respond effectively to that internet lead and get beyond what that really is, which is fundamentally a sales brush-off. It's the same sales brush off that when you go into Nordstrom's or Macy's or Kohl's and you walk in the door and you're there to buy your wife a blouse or something cool for your anniversary and the clerk comes up to you and says, may I help you? And instantaneously you say, no, no, I'm just looking. And then right 10 minutes later, you walk out the door with, you know, five, six, seven hundred dollars spent. And it's the same thing that agents are doing right with these particular prospects, and they're falling, if you will, for the brush off, so to speak. And they got to understand that that's just the script that's embedded in human nature. It's the script that you're always going to get from a prospect. So the question is, what are you going to say? And, and let me give you, everybody, what you should be saying in that particular situation. I would say to you instantaneously, Pat, hey, totally fine that you're just looking. Can I confirm that you're just kind of in the early information gathering stage? Would that be correct? Yes. And nine times yeah, out of yeah. ten, you're going to give me, right, kind of a yes. And here's the other thing that's going to happen. Your sales resistance as a prospect is going to go to the floor because you're going to go, well, gosh, this guy gets me and that's not trying to pound me into the ground, right? He gets, he understands that I'm kind of searching around cool. So I'm going to come back with, hey, Pat, can I ask you, it looks like you're looking around at a three bedroom, two bath, you know, 2,500 square foot home, right in that 250 to $300,000 price range in the XYZ school district. If you found that kind of an opportunity, but it actually came on the marketplace right at 235, it was really an incredible deal. Can I ask, what would you do? I'd look at it. Boom. There's a prospect. Hmm. So what you're saying, Dirk, is that most agents do the opposite, right? Most agents assume that this buyer or they tell their ISA or, or who's ever answering the phone that this buyer is solid gold, that they're a half million dollar non-contingent buyer needs to buy in 30 days. And then that person, that agent, whoever answers the phone is disappointed 
and right. the prospect is put on a, a major defense. So you're using right. reverse psychology. You're saying, hey, I can tell you're not real serious from the beginning. And then they sort by opposite maybe and, and say, well, no, I'm, I'm, you know, don't discount me. Right. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confirm that they are in – here's the thing. Right, the verbal judo tactics that we were both taught in our early sales career, right, are still being taught, but they're not consistent with today's consumer. And today's consumer consumer doesn't want me to reach through the phone, grab them by the throat, and smash their head into the countertop. <laughs> what, what if you just said, um, eh, "You're just looking. You're, are you just looking, or are you serious?" I mean, yeah, like you that. could do that. I, I like the phrase early information gathering stage. But early. Okay. So you're in the early information gathering stage. So you're telling them. Yeah. So you're telling them you are a buyer, but you're not yet. Right. Mm, okay. And then I'm trying to quantify that. Here's, here's the thing. The mentality of that online consumer is that in the end, listen, Right, I believe that I can see everything that I need online. I can go to Zillow and Trillia or Realtor.com right. or any other I website. I, I believe that as the online consumer, I can see the exact same information that you, Pat, the agent, can see or any of your listeners can yeah, see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they see now, you as a lockbox key. Exactly. But here's the bottom line. Everybody, and don't miss this, all of you rock stars that are listening, there is a vast difference between the information that you have and that they have, and you need to be clear on what that is. Mm. Okay. Let break, me give it, break you it know, down, yeah. At, at the core, Pat, obviously I'm a coach, right? And so let's do some coaching here, and that yeah. is we're going to give your rock stars an action plan. And the action plan is this, everybody. In the next 24 hours from when you are listening to me and Pat right here, I want you to give grab two of your devices, your iPad, your laptop, right, whatever. And I want you to pull up a property through your agent MLS access. I want you to pull up the same property, right, online through a consumer access, whether that's Zillow or Trillia or Realtor.com or even your own kind of right uh, website that you're giving them access to. And I want you to literally do a side-by-side -side comparison to the information. Now, every MLS is different. I'm going to give you some things that I typically see in, in, in helping clients, right, the property history is not complete when it is on, has been on and off the marketplace and what the property pricing moves. Many MLSs don't syndicate days on the market out, which, it, you know, quite frankly, a consumer that doesn't understand how many, how many days that property has been on the marketplace could easily overpay for a property. The agent comments are generally abbreviated to the consumer. There's a separate agent section. But all I'm saying, everybody, is you've got to know what the difference is, and you've got to sell the difference to the prospect to cause them to want to work with you. Hmm. You've got to get them to understand what is the value that they might receive if they have a consultation with you. 
Hmm. That's the key and the difference. And if you want to explode your lead conversion, you have to, one, get beyond the brush off. You have to, two, elongate the conversation, especially the initial conversation you have with the prospect, because you never know whether you're going to reach them again. I guarantee you that you all, just like anybody in the real estate industry, has had great conversations with a prospect, and gosh, you thought that you just connected with them, and you've been trying to reach them since, and it's like they went into witness protection. Right, right. Well, they, yeah, but they don't need, yeah, like, like you said, they don't need you, right? So, you know, there's so many of you, right? There's a, it's a, it's, as far as a, a market for buyer agents, it's a seller's market, meaning, you know, there's a million buyer agents that, that will show you a house and you're, if you're a serious buyer, you're one of a few. Obviously, you're one of 5 million out of 70 million leads. I mean, that's right. terrible. Imagine if there were 70 million buyers and only 5 million houses for sale or, or the opposite, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. And it's, it's about the value. What is the value that you bring? What is the value that you bring that they cannot get from anybody else? What is the value that you can bring that Zillow or Trillier or Realtor.com can't bring? And I'm not an anti-ZTR person, okay? I'm not – I mean, <laughs> they're, guys, they're here to stay. They have more money than we do. They have huge traffic. You've got to figure out how to work with that scenario. And right, and I'm not saying go out and buy a bunch of zip codes. That's not what I'm saying. But at the end of the day, everybody, all this ZTR bashing is quite frankly not doing us any good as an industry. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're either in or out. And, and you know, the majority of us are in. Um, there are a few brokerages out there that that have withheld. We've had a couple on our show, and it's it's it's, it's fascinating to watch. They got to have a, a lot of their agents behind them, but nonetheless. So let's uh, let's shift shift gears a lot. So that's that that's something we're all dealing with, and and that's a, a great action plan there. What about on the seller end of things? Okay, a lot of places now are in a seller's market. What are you recommending is the best approach? to obtain listings today? The one that an agent is willing to do consistently. Mm. I mean, what, what do you, you know, and I know Pat, we've been around a long time. Okay. Which just means we're old. Right. Uh, <laughs> but the reality, you know, the reality of it is there's a, one of the greatest things about real estate is there's so many different ways to create leads. There's so many different effective strategies. There are so many things that you can do. I mean, you can still work expired and for sale by owners. You can work geographic farming, right? You can do social media. You can do Facebook marketing. I mean, there's, there's all different ways to generate business. The thing that separates the elite producers from the mid-range and the lower range of the business is they have figured out what to do and they do it consistently. Success is not sexy when you really get down to it it's the aspect of grinding it out everybody mm. yeah and you don't you're not you're not going to get rich overnight you're going to get rich by saving money consistently over an extended period of time and making good investments you're going to get 
successful in the real estate business by figuring out alignment in terms of your marketplace, what you are willing to do consistently. I mean, we all know people that are successful working their past clients in sphere. We all know people that are successful, right, working divorce attorneys or working expireds or working for sale owners. I mean, there are just so many targets out there that still work that will work well, right? You have to figure out what you are willing to do consistently because none of it will work if you aren't consistent. Right. And everything works. Nothing doesn't, I think is what you're saying. Continue to do what you've done. I think there's agents out there that are like, you know, let's say they have an SOI business that's huge or, or an expired business that's huge. And suddenly, or over the last couple of years, it's become a seller's market. And now they're looking for other ways to get listings other than what they've traditionally done. And I think what you're saying is, hey, don't look for other ways. Maybe compound on the way that you're successful at. So if it is an SOI market, you know, instead of calling everybody every three months or six months, you want to call them every month and say, hey, you know, I need your help. Correct. I, I, I think they may need to go into their well more that they're currently at if they haven't tapped fully into it. I do believe that you do need... Uh, three to four, right, revenue streams. I am, I am not in the philosophy of, right, that I've put all my eggs in one basket on my objective in the end is to be a 100% referral-based business. You don't right? like that. Yeah. I, I, I think you put all your eggs in that basket. I think sure. that's a, a bad business How many baskets strategy. do you think you should have? Pardon me? How many baskets should, should an agent have? Four. Four baskets. Yep. Three to four baskets, each basket doing at least 15% because when you get to that 15% number, I call that a lead triad, you actually have a replication in there. Mm. If you're doing 5%, you don't know what you're doing yet. Wow. So if you're, if you're doing at the end of the year, if you're doing, uh, if you're categorizing where all your settlements came from and you have some that are 4 and 5%, you're saying you need to relook at that. You need to have at least four that are 15% plus. Correct. Three of them that are 15% plus. Yeah, three minimum. Four is better. And then the rest are just miscellaneous, one, one yeah, percent, two percent. The biggest I one should be, the biggest one we both know, and, and your viewers, uh, listeners should know, right? Past clients and spheres should be the largest one. Okay, and that, that, would, that would be one bucket, only not two, one. Right? Yeah. yeah, that's one bucket. You bet, because it's the same strategy, it's the same system, it's the same uh, process. And, and, and little known, unknown fact, because nobody looks at it, and, and the truth of the matter is, five years ago, referral-based business was 43% of the overall transactions, according to NAR. Okay. In the last five years, that number has dropped to 38%. Okay, so why? Well, I think the, I, I mean, I, I can give you my reasoning why. Yeah, yeah, I'm curious. Right? The, I mean, the, I... Aspect of the aspect of the internet, the aspect of online and social media and the influence of those elements and the fact that, right, about 50% of the people, the first thing they do when they start thinking about moving is they go online and they start searching for homes. And then they get caught in somebody's web so to speak, right? Whether it's ETR or an agent's web, 
the the consumer goes in that direction. So like if the bug gets caught in a spider web before the bug could reach the realtor that sold him the house, even if it was only a couple of years ago, do you think there's going to be more webs uh, thrown up? Do you think that 38 is going to drop to 35, 33 in the coming years? I think it may go a little bit lower, but I don't think it's going to go significantly lower. In other words, is it going to go into the 20s? No, I don't think it will. Will it go into the mid-30s or maybe low-30s? It's very possible. If you look again at the NAR stats from last year, 33% of the buyers, according to NAR, found the agent that they ultimately used online. Hmm. So 33% of the buyers were captured off of internet search. Wow. That's interesting. That's interesting. Hmm. And that that certainly was not at that number a number of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, while you're speaking of numbers, let me ask you this, you know, we we have a lot of agents come on the show that are at their markets are at values of 2007. Uh, Many are values 2007 plus they're, they're 105, 110% of peak. You know, we've had some people that are at 150, 160% of peak in, in certain markets like uh, Nashville, Tennessee and parts of California. Mm Uh, right. what, what, what's the Dirk Zeller prediction, uh, of the next 12 months? Well, I think, I, I think we're going to have a great market. I think we're going to have solid, uh, that we, it, I think we're going to have more sales and we would have more sales if we had more inventory. I mean, but I don't, I don't, I don't predict the, the shift, let's call it, that's being predicted by some in the industry because the absorption rate is so low in most markets, especially from mid-range on down. Uh, I mean, if you look at the absorption rate or remaining months of inventory in most marketplaces from mid-month, uh, mid, you know, median sales price on down, it's one two months. Right. So what you're six, saying, six months is a balance. Six months is a balance market. So what you're saying, it would take a lot of time for sellers to start putting their house on the market for normal reasons, right? There's no black swan that's forcing them to put their house on the market because jobs are good and that sort of thing, right? There's nothing out there that's increasing the amount of sellers putting it on the market. So you need a normal rate of sellers putting it on the market to get it to six months, which then is equilibrium. And then you need time after that to make it uh, flip it from a seller's market to a buyer's market, if that's the prediction. So you're saying, you know, nothing could happen in any anytime soon. What are you giving it? You know, a lot of people are saying seven years, seven year cycles. You've heard this before. We're sure. seven years into the cycle. Or do you think we're going to have a downturn in three, five years? I, I, I think we've got to look at the ab- absorption rate and watch and monitor it. It's going to, I mean, in my market in Bend, Oregon, where I live, all right, we'd have to have a 5x increase in inventory to hit a balanced marketplace. Wow. And that is a slow process of one seller at a time. So unless something forces sellers to all of a sudden want to sell or have to sell, uh, nothing's going to change real fast. Yeah. But I also do, Pat, agree that we are at a rare moment in time and an opportune moment in time. And I think one of the things that agents need to do is project that. 
mean, we, we are. I mean, we're still at very low interest rates, right? It's still very cheap money. And, and quite frankly, we've seen a pretty strong movement upwards in the last 60 days in terms of those interest rates. The Fed is very clear that they're going to continue to raise those interest rates. So the reality is, it isn't, you know, for a buyer or a move-up seller, it isn't going to get any better. Yeah. Right. If they're saying, hey, I'm going to wait till spring or I'm going to wait till summer or I'm going to wait till, right, fall or, or you know, long-term buyer, right, they're projecting whether you meet them in an open house, whether they call off one of your ads, whether they hit your website, whether it's a ZTR lead, whatever it is, everybody, and they give you long-term buyer, hey, we're thinking till summer, blah, 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 blah. There are four things that you need to do, and let me give you the four. Step yeah, one, please. two, three, and four. One, you have to check for commitment. In other words, Right, you need to check for committed. Hey, can I ask you, are you committed to an agent when the timing is right for you? Or do you have an agent in mind whose services you might utilize when the timing is right for you? I don't need to follow up with this lead for the next six months if their brother-in-law is a real estate agent. Okay. <laughs> I need to check for commitment. Okay. The second thing I need to do is what and why, Right. What makes next spring a better time for you? What makes this summer a better time for you? And probe that what and the why. Why does it make it a better time for you? You've got to understand the what and the why. That'll give you the angle in terms of selling and servicing that particular client. Okay. The third thing that you need to do is put them in what I call an if situation. An if situation. Right, that if situation would be as an example, Pat, if waiting might be more detrimental and cost you more than potentially taking action, is that something you'd at least want to evaluate? Mm. Okay, that's is good. Is that something you'd at least want to analyze? Is that something you'd at least want to understand the difference? To know about, yeah, to know, to understand, to know to get about it. would be another way to end that. Now, here's what typically an agent will do in a if situation and what they'll execute is what I call a sales overreach. Sales words, overreach. A sales overreach and it'll be they'll ask, "Will you buy now?" Well, come on. Now, if if I put that phrase at the very end, that's a sales overreach. You basically now interpret everything that I'm going to say to you is, hey, all I care about is my commission check and making a quick sale, and all I am is a slick-talking, fast-talking salesperson that doesn't want to serve you. And the, and the easiest one for this I here is uh, the interest rates, right? Because if you show somebody a 40-year outline of interest rates, the average interest rates, eight and three-quarters percent over 40 years that's average that's not above average <laughs> that's a average so you sell somebody that and say look you know you know it ain't it ain't gonna be here in a year i right. mean you can't go out and say you guarantee it but you could just about guarantee that right and your your job is to give them some something valuable interesting compelling and then take their temperature with it hmm and then once that you understand the temperature, then you transition to an appointment, right? If you say, well, gosh, yeah, I would be interested in that information. Hey, I'd love to be provide you that, Pat. Probably the easiest way to do that 
is, hey, why don't we set a quick little appointment? I know you kind of live in the XYZ area. Why don't we meet at Starbucks on the corner of Wright, Vine, and Maple? Mm. Okay. Right. Hey, let me buy you a cup of coffee, and we can meet, and I can bring that information, and I can kind of walk you through it so you really understand what's truly happening. Is that the fourth step, the, the appointment, or is that part of the eye? Yeah, if, if part of the eye, if, if they open up and I'm going to engage with them, I'm going to go for the appointment. But if they keep pushing back, right, they may say, hey, well, i got to save money, right, I'm going to prune my credit score, blah, 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 whatever it is, some kind of objection. Then the fourth step is, you know, in essence, what's the plan? Right. If you're going to if they're going to save money, let's let's use save money as an example, because we're you know, we sure. see that a, right. we hear yeah. that a lot. OK. Hey, that's great, Pat, for you to save money. I might go back to the if situation. Gosh, Pat, can I ask you if there was a loan option that would allow you to originate a loan without saving that additional down payment you're thinking you may need to save? Is that some information you would want about that type of a loan opportunity? And you may say, no, 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 I still, right, I'm, I still need yeah. to say, then I'm going to say, hey, that's great. Can I ask you, you know, what's the plan? Yeah, well, wait, you know, I mean, wait till my lease is up. Oh, okay. So we're, we're also waiting for a lease timing. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. You, you're saying you need to save an additional town payment. Yeah. Can I ask how much more do you need to save? Well, I need to talk to a lender, but I'm thinking about $5,000 more. Okay, great. Good for you. And glad that you've got that identified. Do you have a specific plan laid out in terms of monthly saving to get there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, okay. we're, yeah. So, and I'm probing the plan. Right. Great. How much have you saved so far? So well, just, I've, saved five, uh, I've saved 500 bucks. Okay, good for you. Great. And you need to get to 5,000. Okay. How long have you been at your plan? Well, I've been two years at my plan. Great. I'll call you back in 10 because that's probably when you're going to save the five grand. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, everybody, so you got to recognize that, that people with plans succeed, mm. whether that is a buyer or that is yourself. Right. Right. I mean, Pat, you, you got to the point, you bought a lot of property. There was a plan there. Right. I mean, you didn't fall into buying real estate yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and creating wealth for yourself. You didn't fall into that. I didn't fall into it. Right. I got into the real estate business at 27 years in age. I wrote a plan. I wrote a plan out for my business. I wrote a plan out for financial independence. I knew what that number was. I've been working toward that number from that period of time. I had a plan. You had a plan. Yeah, yeah. So, because uh, I want to talk about that. So, uh, just to wrap this part up, you got the CWIP, the QIP, or whatever. That's your four-step four process that everyone needs to go through with every, every you, you know, this could be buyer and or seller. Um, sure. Yeah. And by the way, guys, I'm going to put a, a, everything, a lot of all of Dirk's information and a lot of what we talk about in the show notes. So if you didn't get a chance, if you're driving down the car and you didn't get a chance to write that down, it'll all be there on hybendigital.com backslash Dirk Z. Have you ever lost a listing? Have you ever just kind of gotten kicked in the stomach because you felt 
sure that you got a listing and uh, the rapport was incredible and then they call and tell you they listed with somebody else or even worse they send you an email and tell you they've chosen someone else it hurts man i know it's happened to me tons of times and i hated it and um, so because of that i created a product called a certified listing agent i got the eight top listing agents in the world and recorded their listing appointments everything no holds barred no secrets here everything and then after each listing appointment we uh, discussed it and uh, created a course out of it it's uh, over 10 hours of intense uh, video and it's for you to watch and never lose a listing again check it out there's a lot of free samples you can go in and see kind of what it's like before you uh, sign up for it uh, rebusuniversity.com we also got the the uh, highly popular cta certified team agent with jeff Cohn, and that is how to build a massive team how jeff went from 80 to 580 units in four years and uh, what he does behind the scenes what forms he uses how his systems are run everything on the cta certified team agent and many things to come. If, you, if you're interested, go to uh, rebusuniversity.com. Put yourself on the mailing list there. Uh, we have a price reduction course. We have a 101 ways to get uh, real estate leads for free. We have an ISA course coming out, uh, a lead handling course, not, not how to lead generate. There's, there's a ton of courses that other people do on that, but this is how to efficiently capture leads and work with them. So uh, they have a couple of courses coming out on that aspect. So anyways, RebusUniversity.com. Check it out, guys. You'll be glad you did. Now on uh, with the show. So, Dirk, let's talk about that. So, you said you started a plan early on, and mm -hmm. now I know you own 49 uh, pieces of real estate, rental properties, and we talked before the call about how typically uh, real estate agents are great at cash-flowing commissions, where they have cash flow, like, I got cash, I can afford this, I got cash, I can afford this, terrible at uh, saving money and investing in their own, uh, what they preach. Um, mm -hmm. and early on you were in the real estate game and you said, I'm going to, I'm going to follow the advice I'm giving at champions, uh, to, to, to have other people save and invest. So what advice do you have for those listening on how to do this, how to save, how to start investing? How did you do it? How'd you go from zero to 49 houses? Well, I th think there's a couple of things that, that I think I did a little bit differently than even agents that buy rental houses do. And the first would be that I, I, I'm a big believer in retirement accounts. I'm, I, I always have been, always will be. And I think the greatest thing in the world in terms of buying real estate is buying them in your retirement accounts so you don't have to pay the tax on the rental. Yeah. The challenge that a lot of agents have with that is as independent contractors are limited, you know, to the Roth or, or something like that, which is about six grand a year. And it's very hard for them to save up a significant down payment, you know, over time uh, to buy. You might be able to buy three, but I, I, how, how is a real estate agent going to buy 49 through a retirement account? I mean, what a well, retirement you, account allows yeah, you to save that you, much? Well, if you do a Roth or you do, you're right, there's a limit. 
but you can do, you know, self-directed 401k. You can do a number of different vehicles that can get you, you know, 18 to 47, 48,000 a year that you can put into a retirement account. And those are, are those tax-free going in or only tax, on the growth? Tax-free going in. Tax-free going in. Okay. Okay. And I mean, talk to your accountant, but I'm, I just, I just, I think I, it helps if you're older too, because I think a 25 year old can't do you that. You can yeah. do even more as you get older, right? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, but to, to me, there's two questions here, right? There's, there's the ability to buy, right, real estate as an agent from some of the proceeds you have and leverage it. And certainly right now, we're never going to see better loan money than you're going to see right now. I mean, I'm not, you know, an investor uh, mortgage rate is roughly toward five right now because you pay a premium, obviously, for a non-owner occupied property. But we aren't going to see that that kind of a, a, a 30-year fixed mortgage rate on a on a, on a you know, one to four unit anytime again in our lifetime. <laughs> uh, yeah. So are you still so, buying or are you done at 49? I'm still buying. So if what, the deal is right, I'm still buying. What do you look for? Like what, what parameters do you use? I, I use cash on cash return and, and I want, um, you know, if I'm paying cash for the particular property, I want an 11% return on my money. Okay. So guys, we've talked about this before, but if you don't know, cash on cash is exactly that. If you paid cash for the property, what would the return be, irregardless of whether you get the mortgage or not? So like, right. if you have a mortgage, you know, you're factoring in, you're figuring out what your profit is, and then you're kind of pretending that you paid cash, and, and that would be that. Right. Meaning, So if you only put you know, 20 grand into it and borrowed 80 on a $100,000 property... You're factoring in what is the return on your 20. Right. Right. Now, Pat, I do. Let me go back to the retirement account real quick. There are two lending institutions that actually will loan into retirement accounts. In other words, Notion American Savings Bank and uh, First Midwest in South Dakota will loan you money to buy real estate in your retirement accounts. So as an example, you got 20 grand and you want to buy, uh, well, you probably need a little bit more than 20 grand, but they'll do a 70% LTVT loan in some markets, 60% in others, and and you can buy real estate inside of your retirement account. The rents go right to pay the mortgage, and then the residual goes into your retirement account. And are, do you put all these in your personal name? I would well, no. You can't put them in your personal name. You have to put them in your retirement. In the account. name of the retirement account. Okay. Correct. Okay. Because the retirement account owns the asset. Right. But right. I, I mean, and how that, many that, ways can you leverage your money in your retirement account, not pay tax on the asset till you pull the asset out? And for your rock star listeners that are saying, "Hey, listen, I make enough money." from listing and selling real estate that I don't need my rent today, right? That I don't need the income today. And in fact, 
right, the additional income that I would get is going to tax, be taxed at 3.8 Obama tax, right, and 38% Fed tax, and I live in the lovely state of Oregon, which has 12% income tax. You add all those things up, right, and I'm far better having assets in a retirement account that doesn't get taxed. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It all adds up, and it's just long-term smartness. <laughs> right. I mean... Well, and again, if, if just just right, your 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 listeners that are in the business and 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 right, they they have good businesses, they have good listing and sale businesses. It makes perfect sense to look at the their options of buying real estate in the self directed arena. What what do you think is a good amount to save? Over and above, you know, what percentage of your of your net income should you be saving, Dirk? I mean, you have some of these financial guys that tell you ten percent, which I always thought was BS, you know, because it's very hard to invest in real estate if you're only going to save ten percent. You know, what's your opinion? How do you, uh, you say? My opinion is is what I years learned years ago, and and that was, I mean, I'll tell you where it came from and. Uh, I mean, I'm sitting in uh, in an event, a success event, front row center. I mean, I'm 27 years of age. I'm getting into the real estate industry. I'm broke. I have no money. Right, I borrowed 55 grand from my parents to buy a bombed out drug house in Portland <laughs> to live in. I'm broke, and I'm sitting there. Jim Rohn is speaking, brilliant guy, and he says, "Listen, right, 70 percent." of your income, 10% to an investment account, 10% to a savings account, 10% charity. And I, you know, I've, I've lived that and more for four years. Now when I'm broke, I, I, I will tell you, Pat, I mean, I seriously, I set up and I went, I got to live off 97% of my income. And then I did 1% in each one of those accounts because I, I I thought, listen, I need to establish the habit of doing this, and if I establish a habit, I'll be able to raise it over time. The problem for most of us is we never establish the habit, and I mean that's all I could afford. It was ninety-seven one one one, right? I mean that was it. And a year later, it was okay. I you know I'm a little better position, right? And you know I moved it up to two percent. Two, two, and two, and then I moved it up to three, and then I jumped it to seven, and now it's you know more than ten, ten, ten. But you got to start with the small and establish the habit. It's like I said earlier, Pat. It's right consistency. It isn't you know, hey, I can't do seventy, ten, 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 so I'm not going to do it. No, do ninety-seven, one, one, one. Start. Yeah, and then finish at at forty, thirty, twenty-five, twenty-five, twenty-five. Yeah, I see that. You know, the problem is a lot of people, you know, as the more money they make, the more money they spend. And then at the end of the day, there's very little what I call LTI, which is left to invest. You know, right. and every every quarter I track my LTI, which is left to invest. Right. And I want to have enough money there to make another investment, you know, right. to do at least four a year. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, that's that's human nature. We tend to do that. I I did it a little myself, but I, I you know, I, I've been blessed. I grew up, you know, uh, with a dad who was the, you know, the quintessential, if you have ever read Thomas Stanley's book, The Millionaire Next Door, right? He was, you know, he's a guy that, yeah. 
you know, grew up in North Dakota with dirt floors and, <laughs> you know, and became a dentist, right? And, and, you know, drove a pickup truck when all his buddies drove a Mercedes, you know, as dentists and were buying the big houses and all that kind of stuff. I mean, he spent 40 years, I mean, you know, 40 years living in the home that I grew up in. And, yeah, yeah. you know, everybody, there's always going to be somebody that has a bigger house or right or fancier car or any of those kind of things. But the, the freedom that you get from being financially independent is unlike any freedom in the world. Yeah, it's a weight off your shoulder. I think yeah. about it all the time. You know, like I'm not going to stress about that because, you know, I got this much money. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it's a, it, it becomes an affirmation you could say to yourself to relinquish any heavy thoughts that you have, you know? Right. Uh, you know, I don't care. Well, and there's a, there's a great book by John Oberg, and the title of the book is It All Goes Back in the Box. Ah, it yeah, does. I saw somebody did that on Facebook the other day. They were um, they was comparing – I forget what they were comparing, but they were comparing two companies, and they were saying this company and that company, and they and, – and they were saying this company succeeded and this company, you know, whatever. And – and uh, somebody got on there and said some quote like that about, you know, everybody in life, there are kings and there are pawns. And there will always be a king at the end of your life where you are, where you have been a pawn. But at the end of the game, they both go back, back in the same box. Yeah, all the pieces go back in the box at the end, you know. Hmm. And so use your pieces well. Because yeah. you aren't taking them with you. hundred percent, hundred percent. And you're probably leaving them, the pieces, to somebody else. Well, that's the or thing. Some of them. Yeah, you're gonna. Yeah, most people do, right? Yeah, and then, and then they just blow it. <laughs> right. Well, I got a 15 year old and 11 year old, and I certainly want to leave some pieces for them. That's a goal, certainly, and and an objective, and 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 all that, but. You know, you look at Warren Buffett. He didn't give all his kids his money. He no, didn't they, want it. they didn't get. That, they didn't get anything. They got zip. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. On some level, Warren, you do. Warren want to, but, made this. Is, I read this recently. Warren has made ninety nine percent of his wealth after the year uh, age of fifty. Hmm, that's fascinating. Ninety nine percent of his wealth. That's crazy. Now, obviously, at fifty, he had a whopper load of wealth that. <laughs> You know, are 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 marching. I mean, he, you know, for those of you listeners that have never read um, the richest man in Babylon, what a great story that is about making sure you're not eating your soldiers, right? Your your wealth. Yeah. And making. I mean, ph- phenomenal, great little easy read for for your rock stars that want to read an easy book about, you know the thought process of wealth and success. Yeah, absolutely. And I've, I've read that uh, statistic similar to what you said about Buffett before several times. They said that, that you will never make uh, in general, right? You'll never make more money faster than between the age of 55 and 65. That is the most productive years financially for anybody. And I've always been curious about that, but I guess it's the reason is that at that age you get, uh, offered so many more opportunities and, and you just get into a flow um, sure. where it's easier to make money, you know? Um, I think there's that. And also there's the aspect of that you have critical mass. You have asset mass. Yeah. Take, the, 
takes money to make money. And yeah, you, if you get asset mass by that age, which successful people do, then all of a sudden, right, you get, you know, exponential growth in that asset base. Yeah. You can move things up. You don't have to start doing something all by yourself. Well, and if you have real estate like you have, or I have right in this kind of a marketplace over the last handful of years, you've seen a lot of nice wealth increase in your asset base. Mm, yeah. 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 That makes sense. Right. And then you could leverage that, you know, take it out, refinance it, buy something else. That's what we do. I have uh, several apartment buildings and that's what we do with them. And you know, it's great, you know, getting money out of thin air that's uh, just based on appreciation. So right. I love it. And it's all in reinvested all and it just compounds. This has been great, Dirk. I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day. Uh, like I said, I'm going to put all of Dirk's information on uh, hybendigital.com backslash Dirk. Everything about champions or real estate champions and uh, everything that we talked about uh, will be posted there. And Dirk, I'll give you the last word. Well, everybody, if, if you are really looking to take your business to the next level, figure out what your half a dozen things are, right? What are the things that you need to be consistent and focused on, right? Success is not about doing 80 things well, 50 things well, 30 things well. It's really uh, about defining what will create 80% of your success and then executing those half a dozen over and over and over again. If you're an agent or a team leader that needs some help and more personalized attention, gosh, you know, reach out to us. We'd be delighted to help you get to kind of the next level. In and certainly that's defined by you. Yeah. Right. The next level is defined by an individual human being, not by a coach or a trainer or your company. It's defined by you. That's great advice. I love it. I love that advice. You know, don't get bored. You know, if, if, if something's working, you know, don't get bored. Keep doing it. You know, keep doing it. If it's working, keep doing it. Love it. Dirk, well, thanks again so much. And listen, if I'm ever out in Bend, Oregon or uh, surrounding areas, I'll definitely look you up and we can get together and break some bread. Sounds great. Thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Please be sure to leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening. All five-star reviews help us get better and better guests for your listening pleasure. And if you have a great review, I'll read it on the show. We are so proud of this show now with over a million downloads in 79 countries around the world. Also, don't forget to buy my book if you haven't already. Six Steps to Seven Figures, a real estate agent's guide to building wealth and creating your destiny. With an intro by Gary Keller. Sold everywhere online books are sold. You can always go to padhyben.com and find out about all things Pat Hyben. And don't forget to follow me on social media. All you got to do is type in my name. I'm everywhere and easy to find. I hope to meet face-to-face someday, but in the meantime, let's meet on social media. Thanks again for listening, and keep rocking.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.